Hi, my name is Natalie Orofici, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the Women in Scripture podcast. This podcast has been inspired by the God Who Speaks campaign. I will be inviting lots of different women to come and speak about the women in the Bible who inspire them and who speak to their hearts today. Now for this episode of the Women in Scripture podcast, I'm delighted to welcome Fleur Dorrell. Hello, um, I'm the Catholic Scripture Engagement Manager for the Catholic Bishops Conference of England and Wales and for Bible Society. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And who is it you have chosen from the Bible? Which woman? So I've chosen Sarah, the wife of Tobias, in my favourite Old Testament book, the book of Tobit. Um, now, most people only know of Sarah, the wife of Abraham, but this Sarah has a very different tell. Um, and it's quite a complicated plot, so it's probably helpful to explain the plot before we think about anything else to Sarah. So the Book of Tobit is a fascinating quest. Uh, it's in 14 chapters, and it's set after the fall of the Kingdom of Israel to the Assyrians in 721 BE. The main characters in the Book of Tobit are Tobit, his son Tobias, Sarah, who's had seven, what I would call almost husbands, since each died on the wedding night, and the Archangel Raphael in disguise for most of the story. And this is the only time in the Old Testament that the Archangel Raphael actually appears. So um, what is the story? Tobit is a wealthy Israelite. He's taken by force from Samaria to Nineveh by the Assyrians. Um, he's a devout but egotistical man. And he does perform many charitable acts, and he frequently risks his life to bury the dead Israelites killed by Kinnacharib. But then he suffers some financial problems, and he contracts cataracts, and eventually he goes blind when sparrow droppings fall into his eyes. He prays to God, begging him to let him die, while his frustrated wife now has to become the breadwinner. And he even accuses her of stealing when she comes home with some food that he can't imagine she actually earned with her own money. At the same time as this is happening uh, in Medea, which we would now call Persia, Sarah is despairing because she's had seven husbands each killed on the wedding night by a very jealous and possessive demon, Asmodeus. And she too prays for death because she can't see any way out of the situation. She's an only child and she doesn't want to inflict shame upon her own family. And then here we get God, who hears both these prayers, but he doesn't grant them immediately. What he does is he sends the Archangel Raphael in disguise to heal both Tobit and Sarah. And the story is the journey from this moment on towards happiness and redemption for all. Meanwhile, Tobit, in his blindness, remembers that he has left a large sum of money in Medea. And it's a bit like offshore banking or a tax haven where he's put his money to keep it safe. So he sends his son Tobias to get it, as he can't obviously get it himself being blind, and he needs it uh, to live off as well. So Tobias uh, obediently uh, meets Raphael in disguise, and Raphael persuades him that he needs to accompany him on this journey safe. Um, so they travel together, and Toby does not know who this person really is, this archangel. And on the way to Medea, Tobias is attacked by a very large fish, and Raphael tells him to grab it, kill it, and remove its gall, heart, and liver, is what he does. Then they arrive in Medea, they stay at the home of Raguel, who happens to be Sarah's father, who just happens to be Tobias' closest relative. 
and Raphael encourages Tobias to marry Sarah, since this would fulfill what we call the Israelite endogamy law, which preserves the family line tribe. So to say that Tobias is anxious, having discovered that Sarah's seven previous husbands had died in the way they did, is a complete understatement story. And similarly, Sarah's dad can't believe that this will turn out any different before. So he digs a grave ready to bury Tobias in. When the servants later hover outside their bedroom door on the wedding night and report to dad that Tobias is still alive, he quickly has to fill in the grave before the morning. Tobias is petrified, but he does have faith. And Raphael instructs when he's on the wedding night, when the demon will appear, to use the fish's heart and liver to drive him out, since demons don't like bad smell. And this fish paste is rancid and it does the trick. So Sarah is now able to marry Tobias, but there is more to the story. After a happy wedding feast, Tobias recovers Tobit's money. Tobias, Sarah and Raphael make the return trip to Tobias's parents. In coming home, Tobias rubs the same fish paste into his dad's eyes and cures his blindness. And Raphael then identifies using the same words as Gabriel does to Mary at the Annunciation as he stands of God. Um, he also returns to heaven in a similar way to Jesus' ascension. And then Tobit composes a very long, joyful prayer. Tobias and Sarah have seven sons. Before he dies, Tobit, I think 112, tells Tobias to leave Nineveh because the Lord is going to destroy this. So they move to Medea, and indeed they learn later that Nineveh has been destroyed. So within this story, we have themes of fidelity to the law, we have reverence for how you bury the dead, we have the role of angels, we have how you honour your parents, the purity of marriage, and the values of arms, prayer, so it's a really, really exciting and meaty plot. Well, thank you for that very thorough introduction to the plot and to Sarah. So why have you chosen Sarah? What's so attractive about Sarah to you? Well, I think the first thing is that most of the women in the Bible mostly have very few speaking parts or you all have them but they'll have very few descriptions about them and many don't even have a name if you think about people like Mrs Noah for example or the prodigal son's mother must have been a person in that story but she's not mentioned at all and Sarah only actually speaks in chapter three out of 14 chapters and when she speaks it's a heart-rendering prayer to God yet her presence is felt since she is central plots de Um, So I'm fascinated by women who appear not to have a significant role in terms of dialogue, but actually are really, really important to the whole plot and to the divine purpose story. And what we see with Sarah is that to begin with, she's a woman with suicidal thoughts. She pleads to God in this prayer to end her misery because she's been trying to marry seven husbands. And they've all died before the marriage was consummated. So who wouldn't be at their wit's end? I mean, how much heartache can a girl take? I mean, that is the very modern story. And we can see that in quite a lot of soap operas and TV dramas. Um, and then there's Tobias, a son who's completely clueless that his journey to obey his father's desire to retrieve money um, is going to gain him a wife. I mean, that's quite a modern idea as well. But who says money can't buy love? Because in this case... Haley does. Um, and then you've got Raphael. He's an archangel, still in disguise, because bear in mind, we, the readers, know who he is, but they don't themselves. Um, and he has to be in disguise in order not to blow his cover, because he's trying to fulfill the divine mission to bring these people together and to heal Tobit. So it's interesting that we have an angel, not a prophet, that enters this picture. 
uh, who hears the prayers of Tobit and Sarah simultaneously. When they're both in despair in different parts of the nation and they're both praying for God's mercy and that's partly what unites. Um, and then we have Tobit's father who's very faithful, law-abiding. Um, he helps the poor. He's um, helps those who are persecuted but like anyone else he's got his fair share of trouble and suffering um, and even after good deeds and tremendous kindness and a long seat of faith he becomes blind um, so it shows you that both he and Sarah have these very difficult situations um, even though they are faithful and trusting God but it means that you're not always rewarded just because you're in God and I think that's quite important for us today to remember that leading a good life is a, is a is an important thing to do but it isn't, that's not how you get rewarded by God. That's not how we understand a mature relationship with God. Um, and then you get Tobias and Sarah's whirlwind romance coming at a time that's completely unknown to both when they're dealing with so many other challenges, both trying to honour their parents in a way. Um, and yet their true identities are actually entwined because actually they're disrelated to each other and they don't know that. So it's full of amazing elements of both prayer and trusting, but tragedy and comedy. Um, and at the heart of all of this, it's Sarah who actually makes the plot develop, really, through the help of Raphael. Because without her, there is no marriage. There is no redemption at the end of the story. Oh, it's such an exciting and wonderful plot. Like you say, it would make a great TV drama. And the absolute torture that Sarah must have got to, to before that, before she arrives here at this marriage. And I love the... Um, the angel playing an active part on earth, intervening and helping them. So why, well, you've touched on it already, but why is Sarah relevant today? Well, first of all, overall, before we talk about Sarah, um, this story is a rare glimpse of life in the northern kingdom of Israel, which we don't always get in the Bible during exile. And this experience of being persecuted for one's faith under very oppressions by King um, is really current in our fragile world today. If we think about how many people are forced to flee, I mean, we only have to think about Afghanistan right now to see how this is a very big for our world, as always. Second, I think this story foreshadows the importance of the three Christian acts of mercy so beautifully portrayed in the Gospel of Jesus, of almsgiving, fast and prayer. And Tobias and Sarah both do those three acts of mercy. So she is a very good symbol of what we then in the Gospels read about and develop through model of prayer and fasting and arms. Um, and all of these attributes of mercy have been given new awareness, I think, in terms of how we've been grappling with COVID, with so many people working to help neighbours and strangers through these acts of mercy. And that's exactly what we've seen on our own. Even in lockdown, we've seen those acts going on. I think thirdly, it's the most extraordinary and pace-setting tale about family relationships. For me, it's my favourite Old Testament book, but also importantly about how you bury the dead in the Old Testament, which was very important for like law. Um, and this itself has been very exposed recently in our pandemic with all the complexities around lockdown and how that's affected how we each other, as well as all those difficult issues we've had about funeral cremation and the care and reverence that we still want to have even in very So it, to me, it, it tied in with that as well. And then fourthly, is a beautiful portrayal, this story of a God-centered marriage through Tobias's amazing prayer with Sarah on their wedding night, which many Catholics actually include in a wedding map. Um, and it's worth hearing this prayer if it's okay to read it out, um, because it goes like this. When the parents had gone out and shut the door of the room, Tobias got out of bed and said to Sarah, Sister, get up and let us pray and implore our Lord. May grant us 
mercy safe. So she got up and they began to pray and implore that they might be safe. And Tobias began by saying, Blessed are you, O God of our ancestors, and blessed is yours forever. Let the heavens and the whole creation bless you forever. You made Adam, for him you made his wife a helper, and from the two of them the human race has sprung. You said it is not good that man should be alone. Let us make a helper for him like himself. I am now taking his kinswoman of mine, not because of lust, but with sincerity. Grant that she and I may find mercy, and that we may grow old together. And they both said, Amen, Amen, and then they were night. I mean, it's such a beautiful prayer. I just think it is a very appropriate thing for a wedding because I like the idea of they grow old together. And that's partly what marriage is about. Um, it's not just about the attraction, it's about the longevity. And uh, I think it's that very beautiful. I think we also all know people like Sarah who get tired of waiting for answers, um, particularly when it comes to, you know, have I found the right man or the right relationship? Um, who struggle with friends and family who appear to be in these very and appear to have it all even we often know that's not true and so it makes it more unexpected and genuinely good and more miraculous to sarah when tobias comes along because we've got to understand that she had a reputation in her neighborhood by now and even her own servants in the book accuse her and they ridicule her because they can't believe that you could have had seven husbands dying and it couldn't have nothing to do with you. And of mm. course, it's very difficult to explain uh, and nobody believe her anyway. So there's, there's um, it, in that sense, it's actually quite modern that, you know, that she has to deal with something that other people accuse her of and there's the gossip and the ridicule. And that's quite harsh. And, you know, basically she's being bullied for something that she's actually innocent. And we all know about that. Um, and yet then Tobias doesn't accuse her or even hold her past against her, whatever that might be. For him, it's a pure act of love to decide to marry her. And I sort of feel with this story that it's quite modern in the fact that we're living in a society where they get married and have children is very, very dominant. And yet the decision to marry quickly is seen as quite foolish, particularly with religions that don't approve of divorce. But marriage preparation, as we know, is quite uneven in our church. Um, and so there's a lot to navigate in mind relationships um, and in consumer pressure and a society that parades sex and a preoccupied body image across every social media platform. I think we know that the commercialization of childhood and the blurring between what children and adults encounter off and online is now very toxic and we know that there's a huge rise of health issues among children which is tragic but it's fueled by the commercialization of the body of a false sense of love often very controlling relationships which is actually what the demon has over sarah which is why he won't let her marry anyone else so this story actually has quite a lot of modern elements and against all the odds all previous experiences we see a love that's so sincere, it's so unconditional, and it's placed entirely in the hands of God and his angel. So we witness a very selfless love, and we witness the honouring of the families, and we have an example of trusting in God, even if life isn't worth living more. And that's a very powerful narrative today, both in and out of church. I sort of think also that this story has it all in terms of plot you've got marital spats you've got sudden blindness you've got an angel in disguise you've got a man-eating fish you've got a demon in and an exorcism um and you've got quest and chivalry you've got pace you've got humor you've got iron i mean it really is a hollywood blockbuster in the making really because it's got all those elements and at the center of this drama is a young woman who, who has so few words to say yet entirely shapes narrative uh, in her marriage because that enables the redemption filled and also their, their their marriage itself the fidelity to god and the law are rewarded by the whole nation in a sense because the marriage becomes the symbol 
of two people who represent God and Israel. So the local, the, the domestic becomes the national, becomes, becomes the cosmic in God's plan. And also, finally, I think the writing itself has a lot of modern literary devices in it. So it's a real page turner. Uh, and it's the language is quite different from some of the other Alton books. So in one sense, you, a modern novel, which could be easily adapted to a film, and I think deserves a film. Well, let's hope that somebody does make a film of it, because it yes. would be amazing. Like you say, her faithfulness through being tortured by what happened to her seven, yeah, what happened with the demon and the seven husbands and being ridiculed, and then her dad even digging a grave before before that final wedding and to see well to know that what happiness was brought to her it was beautiful so because it's such a complex and great story would you like to just reveal a little bit more to help us understand this book a little bit further I think um well it is only in 14 chapters and I think the main the main element that I would like to emphasize is really the role of Raphael, because as I say, he's an archangel and Raphael means healing, heals from God. Uh, and that is actually his role. And what he does is both physical healing and spiritual. So he heals Tobit from his blindness um, and he heals Sarah from her emotional and spiritual incapacity to get married. And everything is restored through the angel. Um, but it, it needs her in order to work with that. And it needs to buy us to buy into it as well, because he has no idea all these things will happen. So it's very exciting that you start with these people who are actually in some ways all blinded in ways uh, and yet it, and they also don't know that the Archangel Raphael he can't reveal himself beginning so everybody in one sense is blinded a bit like in King Lear but yet at the end you have this amazing prayer and you have this revelation from Raphael saying who he actually is and if we imagine just what we've been describing um, as the plot goes along to then know that this person that you thought was one person is actually from God is, is just cataclysmic experience, that uh, that encounter, and to be told, I'm actually Raphael, and I stand in the presence of the Lord, and I've been sent here for a very simple purpose, and now we can help make all of these things be reconciled in God. I mean, it's just fabulous. It's just, it's so human, and it's so divine at the same time. So in a way, that's why I think it's so modern, because we're all grappling with different views and health, and all sorts of things around money and which country we're in and whether we feel at home in the land we're in because they're actually exiles so they're not in their own territory they're trying to create a new identity and all of these things are sort of not going well even though as we say that Tobit at the beginning is a very devout person so mm. expecting to have such tragedy such late in life and of course then there's his wife who also has to grapple with all of this and has to sense of you know what's happening with her husband and her son so when it all finally works out in the end um it's just so breathtaking and beautiful um, because it's all done through the vehicle of an angel and i just love that because i think the archangels are very interesting and they all have significant roles in the bible but again their their roles are not hugely described so again you know they're not always at the center of everything in terms of the dialogue and yet they are always at the center of the action and i think that's a bit like sarah what a wonderful comparison, yes. We love the or the Archangel actively being there in, in disguise. I just think that's so exciting. Oh. Imagine that, I mean, 
just to imagine their complete shock when when he revealed himself must have been absolutely amazing. Well, thank you very much for this wonderful introduction to Sarah, who is actually really, if you're doing some research on Sarah, there's very little written about her. So I was so excited that you decided to give us some insight into Sarah because she is unknown to many, many people. And in fact, the Book of Tobit doesn't appear in all Bibles. It is in the Catholic and Orthodox Bibles. But if you have a Protestant Bible, you might be able to find the Book of Tobit. So if you're one of our lovely listeners who is not Catholic, I do encourage you to grab hold of a Catholic edition of the Bible and have a read of the Book of Tobit, because as I'm sure you've heard, it's a very exciting story to discover. So do have a read and reflect on that the wonderful work of Raphael and the prayers that occurred there. So thank you very much for listening. A huge thanks to Fleur as well. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you very much for listening to the Women in Scripture podcast with me, Nasli Orofici. If you would like to have some extra reading and resources, then go to the Archdiocese of Birmingham website and look at the Women in Scripture podcast page. To enjoy hearing more of the Women in Scripture podcast, then please do subscribe to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes or SoundCloud. I hope you can join us next time. Thank you.